Wow, that just kind of brings it all back. The best sight I saw, though, was the last sight, right? Had to throw that in, because no matter where you go, there's no place like home. And uh, wow, getting home was incredible. I wanted to share those with you to get a little bit of a glimpse of some of the things that we've seen in the last 10 days. Been pretty incredible. Um, my 13th time to Israel, traveled to Israel, and I never get tired of it. Already planning 14, so go ahead and get ready, get circle your dates, and get set. Here we go. If you ever have an opportunity to go, <clears throat> you need to go. It's an incredible experience. Every time I go to Israel, something else strikes me. Something different strikes me. Uh, sometimes I have to, it happens early in the trip. More often I have to kind of wait till the end of the trip. But always something strikes me, and uh, there's something that hits me uh, in a different way. This time, for me, it was the moments we were able to spend in prayer in various places. We had the opportunity, for instance, to pray um, beside the Sea of Galilee. What an incredible experience to just sit in the tranquil moments there around that beautiful, beautiful Sea of Galilee and to, to ponder uh, the, the soil. You're on the very rocks that Jesus walked on and the very sea that he sailed on. And, and spending time in prayer there was an incredible experience. And, and then we got to spend some time in prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane. And we remember there that Jesus prayed for us. And I'm always struck by that when I go there to know that this is the garden where Jesus prayed. Were they the same trees? Probably not. Was it the same place? Probably so. It's on the Mount of Olives in a very clear spot um, marked for us. So that was an incredible experience. And then a totally different kind of experience is praying at the Western Wall. Some of you may know it as the Wailing Wall. It was called that at one time because the Jews would found, after finding this holy place, was the place where they would come and wail in prayer, sobbing for the condition of their country and sobbing for the condition of Israel and sobbing that, that their country had been restored. And so it came to be known as the Wailing Wall. Actually, it's the western wall of the temple. It's what's left standing of the old wall, the ancient walls of the city. In fact, many of the day, many of the stones at that western wall that we actually were able to touch and maybe put little pieces of prayer requests in it um, or date back all the way time to Herod's temple in the time of Christ. An incredible, incredible sight. One thing you see there uh, are Jews as they come to pray. They come to pray. And before I go any further, let me just say, it struck me that we left our making room series shy of one big rock you remember we talked about the professor who taught the lesson about the jar with the jar and he, he showed us how that you can only put so many rocks in a jar so if you start with all small rocks and fill it up you never have room for big rocks but yet if you have big rocks in first small rocks could be added and so we've been talking about the importance of making room in our life for the big rocks if we're not careful, sometimes the smaller issues, the smaller things can override and actually push out the biggest priorities. And so we had this jar. You remember we had a jar and we talked about adding these rocks. They, they came in. I came in this morning and the jar was broken. Uh, evidently the bass guitar got a little bit loud and the bass speaker just kind of blew it over and it broke. And I thought to myself, what am I going to put my rocks in? And then I thought, sometimes life gets broke, doesn't it? Sometimes your life is broken. And sometimes there's no room, there's no jar to put the rocks in, right? Let's just real. Let's just be real. So I'm going to just pretend that the jar is here because I want to add one more rock. One more big 
rock for my life. And that is prayer. Prayer. I think too many times, even we who are followers of Christ, leave off prayer. We forget about the importance of prayer. We forget that prayer is not preparing for the main thing. Prayer is the main thing. And one thing that I was reminded of in Israel this time as I watched the people gather at the Western Wall was the need for a discipline in prayer. It's interesting to me to go to the Western Wall in Israel. You see a lot of Jewish people and Jim. <laughs> Jim had one of these. You saw the pictures. So Jewish people and Jim uh, had this on. It's a talith. It's a, it's a prayer shawl. It contains four strands of knots of string. You can see them here on either side. And those four strands are, are, are um, in obedience to a, a command in Leviticus that these strings should come down and should touch both the front and the back part of our bodies. And so they would put on, they will put on a tallit to pray, remembering to be obedient to the Lord and remembering to come to Him in prayer. And many times, and as they pray, they will cover themselves with a tallit. And so I, I'm thankful that, that um, I had that opportunity. Now, here's what I thought as I watched these Jews come and stand for hours in prayer. Every day, every morning, every noon, and every evening. I had two thoughts. First thought was, my, they're in a certain amount of legalistic bondage in thinking that they have to come here and they have to pray at certain times according to the legal law. And I thought to myself, what a, true, what, a, what a shame that they, what they lack in truth, they gain in passion. They have a passion to pray. And then, of course, as I sat there and watched and prayed, it occurred to me that what I have in truth, I often lack in passion. I understand that we don't have to wear a tallit to pray. I understand that there's nothing different about praying at the Western Wall or the Garden of Gethsemane or the Sea of Galilee or in my home or in this building or in my truck. But I'm reminded <clears throat> that those places become important to us in prayer because prayer is a matter of the heart, not the habit. Having said that, Sometimes I think we need a little more habit. Every time we would go to a place, a different place in Israel, um, uh, I asked, actually I asked the group, my, our group, we were sitting in the airport in New York, and we had a little layover there. Um, and so while we had the layover, we were gathering together as a group, we were talking a little bit, and I asked them this question. I said, hey, if you, who have seen what I've seen for the last 10 days, had the opportunity to preach Sunday like I will, what would you say? What would you touch on? What would you talk about from this trip that impressed you? And they began to give me different ideas and different thoughts and different things that had touched their hearts. And then one girl said something that particularly struck me, a young lady, um, and, and it struck me. She said, what impressed me was every time we would go somewhere, the guide would ask two questions. Where are we? And does it really matter? Where are we, he would say. You're in the Galilee. 
on the Mount of Beatitudes. The way place that Christian tradition says Jesus preached his sermons on the Mount, or Sermon on the Mount, whichever it may be. But what does it mean? Or, you're sitting at the garden tomb. What does it mean? Where are you? You're at the western wall. The holiest site to the Jewish people. Next to the Temple Mount. Does it mean anything? As I contemplated those questions, I thought this. I'm sitting at the western wall. Does it mean anything? Yeah. It's a reminder to me that Eddie needs to find a greater discipline of prayer in his life. Do I pray? Yeah. Do I, do I pray regularly? Yes. But seeing that this week reminded me again that there's a greater discipline yet to be found in prayer. So that's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. I want to address two questions, and I want to show you a passage of Scripture that God used to speak to my heart. And, and then I want to talk to you about basically just two questions. They're pretty, pretty simple this morning. Um, still fighting jet lag a little bit, so if I go to sleep in the sermon, you won't be by yourself. Um, I, I'm going to do the best we can. Two thoughts. First of all, I want to read from Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is the book, a letter that Paul, the apostle, wrote to the Roman Christians. He longed to go to Rome. He knew that Rome was the center of that world at that time. He knew that the gospel needed to preach, be preached in Rome. Later, he wrote to Roman Christians. And look what he said in Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse number 10. He says, Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Now, he's, he's ending his book. He's, he's kind of wrapping it up, or beginning to wrap the last part of his book anyway. And, and he's giving this list of short sayings, short, short instructions to the church. And, and by the way, we could spend a lot of time on each one of these, but I want to move through it and get to the, the last part of what he says. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Next verse. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. That's where the rubber hits the road for me in this particular moment of life. Be persistent. Maybe your, maybe your version says, be devoted to prayer. The Greek word there is an interesting word. It means that we are set apart for that reason, to be set apart for that reason. For example, when the Scripture said that Jesus was, was going and, and, and along the Sea of Galilee and he was preaching and he, he saw a boat there and told the disciples to get a boat ready and the Scripture says that he was, the boat was devoted to him. Meant that the boat, meaning that the boat was separated for use, for his use. It was there waiting for his use. And the idea, we're not boats, but we are people. And the idea is that we are prepared and we are ready. We are set apart. We are consistent. We are persistent in prayer. It's actually used in several different places in the New Testament that I'll show you in a minute. So he's telling us be persistent, be devoted. In prayer. 
Now, granted, I'm speaking mostly to those who are followers of Christ today, and if you're not a follower of Christ, maybe you're here, you're exploring, or maybe you're here thinking that you're checking out some of these things of faith. Maybe you're here just wondering about this faith stuff. But granted, I'm talking mostly to children of God today because we have the privilege of coming to God in prayer. It's our privilege. So two questions I want to ask, having read that we are to be persistent in prayer, two questions. First question is, first question is why? Why should I pray? Why should I be persistent in prayer? Why is that important? Why does that deserve big rock status? Why can't that be a little rock in my spiritual world? Why does that need to be a big rock? And why make a big deal over it? Why should I pray? And then the second question I want to talk about is how do I pray? How I pray. Y'all with me for about 15 minutes. Let me get to it. I want to show you just those two questions. First of all, why should I pray? Well, I, I guess we should first say, preface everything by saying, prayer is a privilege, not a duty. It is a privilege that we make into a duty, but it is a privilege. Think about it. When we talk about prayer, prayer is simply talking to God. Right? Prayer is simply conversation with God. Now that sounds so casual, but it is anything but casual. Think just a moment about this, that God of the universe has invited us to pray. Invited us into conversation. Think about the fact that the God who created everything and runs everything and in whom everything exists invites us to come to Him anytime we want to. What a privilege. So again, I want to take the legalistic idea out of this thing, out of this thing that said, oh, I have to pray, I must pray. No, no, we are to be diligent in prayer because He has invited us and it is our privilege. But now beyond that, three thoughts. First of all, God has instructed us to pray. He's instructed us to pray because we need to pray. And he's instructed us to pray because not only do we need to pray, others need us to pray. So let me talk about that just a moment. First of all, God has instructed us to pray. That probably should be enough, shouldn't it? Do we really need any other reasons? Listen to just some of the places where these, this word devoted in prayer is used. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, the disciples were waiting in Jerusalem for further instruction from the Father. And here's what it says. It says, these all, all these disciples, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer. There's our word again, same word in the Greek. They all, all the early disciples, all of the ones in the early church waiting for instruction from the Lord, says they were devoting themselves to prayer. Later we read in Acts chapter 2, the early converts are there in Jerusalem. Again, they're meeting together. And listen, it says, verse 42, chapter 2, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Again, we read later in Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, the apostles say, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And then finally, one last use of it, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, he says to all of us, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with all attitude thanksgiving. Five out of ten times that word devote is used in the New Testament. It's used in regard to prayer. 
So God has instructed us, devote yourself, set yourself apart, prepare yourself, uh, uh, diligently persist in prayer. God's given us that command. It's important. So why has God instructed us to pray? Because we need to pray. Think about it just a moment. We need to pray. We can't make it through this life on our own. You say, well, I am. My question to you is, how's it working out for you? We need to pray. We have a deep need to cry out to our God, to call out to Him. Acts chapter 12 and verse 12. I love this passage. <clears throat> he says, And as soon as he realized this, this is when Peter, Peter was gathering in the, um, in the, or, or the, the people were gathered to pray for Peter who was in jail. It says, As soon as he realized this, Peter had gotten out of jail. He realized he was free. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. We need to pray. We need to pray for guidance. We need to hear from God. Somebody asked me this past week, we were talking about ministry and the ministry opportunities and ministry problems and ministry issues. And one of the young pastors on the trip with me, and um, he asked me, he said, Pastor Eddie, how do I know? How do I know if I should this or this or this or this? I said, this is going to sound simple, but here's my question. What's God saying to you? I know it sounds like preacher talk. It sounds like churchy talk, but, but really we need to know. We need to be able to hear God when we need direction, when we need insight. We have decisions to make. We need to hear God. How do I hear God? Hearing God is having conversation with God, speaking to God in prayer and letting Him speak to you as well. Have you listened to God lately? Have you heard God lately? I'm so excited that later on in the year we're going to do a series set aside just for that. Just a whole series just talking about how do we hear God. Prayer is a part of that process. We need to pray because we need to hear from God. We need to pray because we need God's guidance. We need to pray because we need God's touch. Would anybody agree with me that you just sometimes need the touch of God on your life? God, I just need you to touch me. I need you to touch me in some area. Maybe it's your marriage. You just need the touch of God on your marriage. Can I just tell you that God can do in five minutes what you can do in five years and sometimes never do? Can I just say that sometimes we do everything we can do in our marriage and we feel like we're helpless and we just say, we just, I don't know about you, but I pray this. God, just place your touch. We need your touch on our lives. We need our touch, God's touch in ministry, don't we? As we serve Him, we get tired, we get weary. That was last week. I hope you got to hear that talk. I know it was a little bit different on video, but, but I really was impressed with how much we need rest, spiritual rest to be a part of our lives. We need the touch of God in our ministry. Do you know how many people are quitting ministry every day? And I'm not just talking about vocational ministry. I'm talking about day-to-day -day ministry, what we do as a body to serve one another. We need the touch of God. We, we need the touch of God in healing. Am I thankful for doctors? Absolutely. Am I thankful for hospitals? Absolutely. But I'm telling you, there's just a time when we just have to pray. I don't know about you, but I prayed this. God, I'm thankful for this hospital. I'm thankful for these doctors. But God, I need a touch from you. I need a touch from you. They, they do their best, but they can't do what you can do. We need a touch of God in our grief. When pain overwhelms us, we need God 
by our side. And I'm so grateful that we can pray and we can have conversation with God. We may not always get the answers we want. We may not always get the things we desire. But we have this conversation with God that is increasingly healthy for us. We need to pray. I could go on and on, but I think you get the point. Let me move on to the second thing. The third thing, actually. Others need us to pray. Now, that sounds a little bit egotistical. I don't mean for it to. It sounds a little bit self-serving, but I don't mean for it to. I'm just saying, do you realize that God has told us that we should pray for one another? Right? It's important that we pray for other people. Other people need us to pray for them. Why should I pray? Because other people need me to. And by the way, in case that does sound too self-serving for you, I'll just say, I need other people to pray for me. By the way, thank you for praying for me a couple of weeks ago. I had a huge decision to make. I shared with you guys. And, and, and you know what? Through prayer, the decision was made easy. When I got to the hospital that Saturday, that Sunday afternoon, my dad was doing well. He sent me off with his blessing. And today, he's out of the hospital, praise God, and into the rehab center. And I know, listen, I needed you to pray for me. Just like at times, you need me to pray for you pray for one another sometimes we can't pray have you been there before I have I have too. I, I know you have and I have too. you say well, why, why, why would you lift your hand because tell me if I'm not right we can't pray don't we can't pray again exactly exactly when you lose a son, if I might get personal for a minute, it's okay. When you lose a son, tragically, you come to the point you can't pray. When you lose a husband, tragically, you get to the point that you can't pray. When someone you love has, here's that C word, you can come to the place that you can't pray. And you need someone to pray in your stead. You know, the funny thing is, Franz, for the longest time as a pastor, I thought that intercessory prayer was praying for someone in the sense of praying for Franz, praying for Toby, until my two-year-old grandson was threatened to die with cancer. And I couldn't pray. And then I realized I didn't need people to pray for me. I needed people to pray for me. I, 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 that's not very clear. Do you understand what I'm saying? I didn't need the people to pray for Eddie, bless Brother Eddie. What I needed was for somebody to pray in my stead because I couldn't pray. I hope that doesn't disturb you and you say, what kind of pastor are you? <laughs> One with the same hurts and needs you have. And there are times it's just hard to pray. People need us to pray for them. And people need us to pray for them. There's sometimes I just need to pray for Frank. You know, Frank's going through a tough time. He's trying to figure out about a job not too long ago. We need to pray for him. That God would make that plain, right? So why do we pray? We pray because it's our privilege. We pray because God's instructed us to pray. We pray because we need to pray. We pray because others need us to pray. That's why it's a big rock. Of all the things that we can do, prayer is the top shelf. 
Because prayer enacts God's work as we submit to Him. I'm, I'm, I've said it, and you said it, but it's error. We need to correct it when we said, well, I can't do anything else. At least I can pray. I've said that. And then I bit my tongue. I said, whoa, 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 wait. Prayer is the first thing that I can do. And then whatever else I can do on top of that, we'll do. Not only did he say pray for one another, he said be kind to one another. He said encourage one another. And so all those one another's can fit in. But first, it is to pray. So why should we pray? There you go. Just a few thoughts. There's probably many others. Now, second part. How do I pray? <clears throat> how do I pray persistently? Now, I think we know, how, most of us in the room at least know something of how to pray. You might not feel comfortable praying out loud. You may not want to get up here on the stage like AJ did earlier and pray. You, you may not even want to pray in your small group. You may not want to pray publicly, but you know how to pray. Prayer is simply talking with God. If you know how to have conversation, you know how to pray. God is not impressed with our big words, theological thinking, or anything else. He's impressed with our heart. That's all he wants. He doesn't want to know how much you know. <laughs> In fact, can I just say you're way more impressed with what you know than he is impressed with what you know? He's not really so impressed with who you are. May I just say, you are nothing in the sight of Almighty God. I'm sorry. Aren't you glad you came to church today? The preacher just told you you're nothing. <laughs> but I can tell you that your heart is important enough to him that he died to reconcile that heart with God. Wow. Wow. That's pretty important. And so if we can have conversation, we can have conversation with God. He just wants you to speak to Him. But how do we do it persistently? Can I just mention a couple of things real quickly? I'll share them with you and, and then I'll, we'll, we'll end it up. A couple of thoughts. First of all, how do I pray? First of all, I pray structured and unstructured. What do I mean by that? I mean, there are times when you pray without any structure whatsoever. You just pray spontaneously. Whatever the situation, wherever you are, you can just pray spontaneously. You can drive in your car to work in the morning and you can pray. Right? You can walk along and see someone and think, I should pray and begin to pray. You can pray without any structure whatsoever. The wonderful thing about the freedom of prayer is God, according to the Psalms, never sleeps or slumbers. It don't matter. You say, I'm on night shift. You know, I'm sleeping during the day and I'm working at night. Guess what? God's there with you at night too. You can pray on the night shift. It's okay. You pray unstructured. You know what I'm saying. God brings something to mind and you pray. God brings someone to mind and you pray. God brings something to your mind and you pray. But if we're going to pray persistently, we also need to pray with some structure. It would do us well to learn to pray with some structure in our lives. Because you know what? We are somewhat creatures of habit. And listen to me carefully. I said earlier, it's about the heart but not the habit. But how many know that the habit helps your heart? You know what I'm saying? 
There's a fine line of dividing there, but habit helps your heart. My heart is to pray. My habit needs to be in prayer also. That, that requires some structure. So what are some structure? What are some helps in structure? Well, for example, the Bible is a great help to helping you pray with structure. Pray the Scripture. Have you ever tried that? Just pray Scripture. Pray the promises of Scripture. You may read a passage of Scripture that is filled with promise. Pray that promise. Lord, you said in your word, I will both lay me down and sleep. For you, Lord, only makes me to dwell in safety. You're laying there at night and you can't sleep. Anybody been there, done that? Jet lag is famous for that. Wide awake at 3 a.m. Dying to go to sleep at 3 p.m. Lord, you said, I will lay down in peace and sleep. For you, Lord, only make me to dwell in safety. Pray the promises of God's word. Lord, you said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, fear has no place in my life. Pray the scripture. It's a good structured way to pray. Not only the promises of God, when you pray for people. When you pray for people, you can pray the word of God over them. Structured, unstructured. Not only the Bible. Here's another thought. Maybe lists need to be a part of your prayer life. Prayer lists. Do you have a prayer list? I remember when I was in a more traditional situation in church and we had Wednesday night prayer meetings. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Wednesday night prayer meetings. And um, those Wednesday night prayer meetings um, were, were incredible. I, I, it's a, a regular time of prayer is a good thing. And we would have a prayer list. You know what I'm saying? Now, you had a hard time. Once you got on that list, you had a hard time getting off that list. I'm just saying, you did. Because you know what? We kind of forgot about you after a week or two. Here's the thing. Keep a prayer list. Who do you need to pray for? Who do you want to pray for? Keep a daily list, maybe with some structure. The Bible says we should pray for kings and rulers and authority. When's the last time you prayed for your president? Your congress? The governors? county commissioners on down the list. So I would ever think about that. That's why sometimes it's good to have some structure with a prayer list. Maybe on Mondays you pray for the government. I don't know. I'm not trying to tell you what to do because then we're going to go right back into legalism. I'm not suggesting that, but I am saying that lists are helpful to help us to pray. I hope that I'm on your list somewhere. Or here's another thing. Maybe patterns help us. A long time ago, I learned about I don't always do it as regularly as I should. I confess to you that this is a big right that needs to go into my life. Patterns such as concentric circles, you know, where you start with your own heart and then you expand out to your family, immediate family, and you expand out to your church family, expand out to your community, even to people you don't even know. Some structure is a good thing here's the second thing how do I pray I gotta hurry on y'all are listening so good this morning secondly we need to pray alone and with people 
There are times we need to pray alone. Just you and the, you and the Father. Just you and God. Those are some of the sweet times, aren't they? When you just gather any place you want to gather. You, maybe, it's, maybe for you it's in the woods, on a tree stand, outside of hunting season. I know hunters tell me they're out there praying, but that prayer is interrupted if a buck comes down. I'm just saying. First things first. Maybe for you it's at the river. Maybe for you it's your back porch. Maybe for you it's a special chair or broom in your house. I don't know. Sometimes you just need to pray alone. Just me and the Father. But sometimes you need to pray with people. I think that's an art that we've begun to lose, the art of praying with other people. The early church I read in Acts chapter 12 where the early church had gathered to pray for Peter as a body, collectively, the church was praying. That's a good thing. We need to pray more often, I think, with people. Some of the greatest bonds that I have, even to this day, are with men that I prayed with every week at 6 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. We no longer live in the same towns, but we still have a bond because three, four of us gathered together to pray. We need to pray with other people. We need to pray alone. We need to pray with others. Perhaps God's just stirring my heart for us to spend more time in prayer as a body here. Third, we need to pray when things are good and when things are bad. Now, we're okay. We're pretty good about praying when things are bad, right? We're pretty good about the God help me prayers. <laughs> God, I'm in a mess. Help me. But what about this? We also need to pray in times of rejoicing. We don't just need to pray when things are about to explode. Maybe we should pray before things are about to explode. You say, well, what do we pray about if everything's good? How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? Sometimes we just need to thank Him and praise Him for who He is and for His work in my life and for what He is to me and who He is in all of His grandeur and beauty. Just need to praise Him. This is so much bigger than us. Another of my favorite moments on this trip was standing on the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering, the way of the cross, Jesus' last steps. You know, we trace His steps through the city streets of Jerusalem. And I've done it many, many times, but this time was totally different. We went to one particular spot where there's a church to go in, which is true of everything in Jerusalem. I decided not to go into the church. That's pretty good. The pastor decided not to go into the church. But I didn't go in. The rest of the group was in the church, in this little chapel. Here's why I didn't go in. There were a group, there was a group of about, I don't know, 40 or 50 Chinese Asians. And they were sitting outside the church in a reserved area, and they were singing in Chinese. I didn't understand the words, but I knew the melody. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. I was listening to him. 
And I knew they were singing about the same gospel that I preach Sunday after Sunday. About the same Christ that we tell us died for us. And it suddenly occurred to me. Wow! This is so much bigger than us gathering in Live Oak on Sunday morning. <laughs> Somebody in Asia is singing the same songs to the same Savior and praising the same God and praying for an awful epidemic of flu. One last thing, and I'm done. I know I'm a little bit long, but hey, I got a lot going on the last two days. When we pray, we should pray short and long. There are times when we just pray short, and that's quite sufficient, frankly. There's times when we just pray, God, I'm about to take this test I've been studying for. Bring me some memory. You notice I did add a little caveat there. Students, don't go in and pray and ask God to bless you on a test you didn't study for. Just a frank word there. I didn't mean to get off. Sometimes it's just, God, thank you for this moment. Sometimes, one of those pictures was looking over the city of Jerusalem from Mount Scopus, and I was looking at an incredible view on a crystal clear day. I just said, thank you, God, for letting me be here. Short. But sometimes you need to pray long. Sometimes you need to agonize in prayer. Sometimes we need to pray long. Sometimes we need to pray until our knees hurt. You saw the camel in the picture. Somebody had told me I had just ridden the camel, and they said, I have a new respect for the reply to Jeremiah as old camel knees. Camel's knees are rugged from kneeling so much. I would love for my knees to be a little bit roughed up for spending long times in prayer. Somebody said to me, but Pastor, you know what? When I, when I pray long, I fall asleep. You know, somehow I think that may be okay. I think that may be okay that we would pray long enough. Now, for those of you who fall asleep in 30 seconds, it's another ball game. But <laughs> So here it is. I'm done. Here's the takeaway, and I'll just close it out. But, but very, very important. Prayer for the child of God, the follower of Christ, should be as natural as breathing. We really shouldn't have to work at it. We really shouldn't have to plan for it. Yes, we need structure. Yes, we need to pray alone and with people. Yes, we need to pray because we need to pray. All those things I've said. But when it comes right down to it, prayer should be as natural as breathing. And in all honesty, the talit, really should be worn all the time. Not that we walk around with a prayer shawl, but that we are always in a constant state of prayer. That's why Paul said, pray without ceasing. Constantly in a state of prayer. So why don't we pray? Maybe we don't have time. Take time. Why don't you pray? Maybe you don't know how. I challenge you to learn and practice. Why don't we pray? Could be because we don't have a personal relationship with Christ. And we don't know the one to whom we're talking to.
And I would encourage you this morning before you leave this place to seek me out and say, I need a personal relationship with Christ. If you, don't, you say, well, I've got to run. I've got to go take one of those cards on a seat in front of you and write down there, Pastor Eddie, please contact me. I need to know how to have a personal relationship with Christ. I hope that we all will be encouraged to deepen our prayer life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you, Lord, for working in our hearts and lives so powerfully. And God, I thank you that we, for the privilege we have to come and to pray. And I'm grateful, Father, that you hear us as we pray. That we can come as we are. There's no pretension. There, there, there's, 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 there, there's an open door to come to the throne of grace boldly. There's an invitation to knock and to seek and to call to converse with you. Lord, strengthen our persistence in prayer. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing a song, a time of worship, a time to honor Christ.